welcome to the podcast. Life is about so much more than just money, and yet people think it all starts with money, and if they just get that right, everything else will flow. It's the other way around, folks. In this podcast, we talk long-form to people about their lives, their stories, their dreams, what they're up to. It's magical. Tune in, listen in. Thanks for showing up. If you want to find out more about me and what I do, alexlouisethomas.com. Send us a message. Let us know your thoughts. If you want to come on the podcast, reach out. Enjoy. Love it. And we're up. Gareth Wynne Jones, you're a hard man to get off the mountain. Welcome to my podcast. <laughs> Last time it was pigs. This time it was broken down wheels, technology. So I, I have to start by just thanking you for being here, taking the time, coming on because it. Um, Farming's hard graft, right? So actually you guys, mm. you guys coming and sitting with us is amazing. So thank you for coming on and spending the time with us today. No problem. We had a major fire here last night. So uh, I saw really, really big part of the mountain burn. So it's been a little bit hectic getting stuff sorted. And uh, yeah, we've got a meeting at half past 10. We're going to be taking people up and yeah, assessing the damage. And uh, yeah. thank God it rained. So yeah, somebody oh, yeah. was watching after us. Yeah, absolutely. Is it out now? Has it stopped? Because I saw. Yeah, well, it's near enough, hundred percent out. But you know, it looks like more rain later on, so it should should be okay. Yeah. So you haven't been up there yet to see what's the damage. No, I've I've taken ten lambs into the abattoir this morning. Um, so we were on the road just after five o'clock, and then yeah, back and get uh, other animals sorted, and then in with you now, and then back up there after. And then back out. Amazing, amazing. Um, so. Here's, here's why I want to speak to you, because some people go, you, you have a podcast called Financial Freedom with Alex Louise. Why are you speaking to farmers? And um, I'm a pat, so I'm an ex-chef. You probably don't know that. So I've worked in all kinds of restaurants. I'm passionate about food. And my mission now, I bought houses so that I didn't have to cook anymore. And yeah. I now coach people and help them do follow their dreams, actually, is what I'm really passionate about. The money side of it is fairly insignificant, really. That comes later. And I'm passionate about helping farmers. And I thought what I needed to do was buy a livestock farm. And my husband and I's mission has been to keep flipping houses, to buy a livestock farm, to get down and dirty with you guys and jump, you know, jump into the foray. Well, what I've realized, <laughs> and this, and actually the house that we're in now, which was going to be our latest flip, has made us realize that we love this house. I'm looking out over a vegetable garden. We're getting chickens in the spring. And actually what I've realized from speaking to farmers and being in this house is that I can help in different ways I don't need to come and you know be in the farming with you actually it would take longer because if I come and be in the farming you know you I'd be a complete idiot I'd be a nightmare I'd you know what am I doing and all the rest of it and actually it's, it's take it's taken my family 375 years to get into this position on the same farm exactly so, yeah, right exactly. it's a long game <laughs> exactly so and, you know, and I come from a, a my, my grandparents were both farm vets and their, their parents had a farm. So it's kind of it's there, but it's not, you know, I didn't grow up on a farm. And what I've realized is that I can help by doing what I do, which is coaching people and helping people make money and helping people succeed. And actually, the reason I wanted to speak to you was to actually say, what do you guys need? What's missing? How can us that aren't farming help you? How can we? And, and there's the obvious things, right? Like we can buy from our local farmers and, and that kind of thing. But actually, I want to know from you what you think 
can how can those of us that don't farm really support farmers and i don't mean in a just buying your produce i mean in a we're up against big business and all of the shitstorm that's going on around you know land ownership big business monoculture i'm not even sure we've got let's just call it the the ultra processed vegan food movement that i think probably you and i both agree the big reset as some people call it <laughs> yeah all of reset. that i mean let's just let's just put all of that out as a catch all and say how do we help you up against you know it's like david and goliath right yeah uh, and i think we look at it from different angles as a farmer, I feel frustrated uh, on mainstream media that farmers are blamed for, you know, especially livestock farmers, climate change, you know, uh, nature depletiation, you know, loss of all kinds of things. Um, sewerage in rivers, farmers are blamed. Um, and, and we look at what we're doing. We're not putting that sewerage in the river. It's the big multinational water companies that are dumping it off. Governments are signing it off, but again, farmers are easy targets. We look at what we produce as in livestock agriculture. You know, my family's been on this farm 375 years. I know these ruminants are imperative for our soil health and our soil fertility, and everything starts from the soil. Mm. My, My real problem is that a lot of people have lost connection with food production, with farming, and everything is plastic wrapped in a supermarket and the shelves are full full, and it's affordable food and everybody then you know thinks it's there at a drop of a hat well it doesn't work like that there's there's thousands of family farms out there you know working hard to produce food and in regenerative sustainable and environmentally friendly by a long way we're not perfect I'm not saying that. And there's ways and means we need to change and adapt. But blaming us for the climate and the situation and everything that's going on is wrong. Because you're going to need a farmer either once, twice or three times a day. You'll need a financial advisor maybe once or twice a year. Is that? A doctor the same, an accountant. But you're going to need that farmer every single day of the year. And Mm. people need to understand that because this is the truth. And if we can take things back 30, 40, 50 years, everybody would have a connection with farming. Mm. You've only just got one generation. You know, your your parents Mm. were vets, your grandparents were vets. And, Mm. And these are the building blocks for us as farmers. So we need to be reconnecting. I think that supermarkets, governments have kept that divide. They don't want us to be connected too closely to them. Now, mm. let's let's look at a few examples what's happened recently. If we look at Sri Lanka, so the Sri Lankan government made an idea of going totally organic. Stop artificial fertilizer, stop um, pesticides. Wow. That country imploded. That country went hungry. That pl- country just really lost its whole sense and people were rebelling people were on the streets because there wasn't any food you know mm. interest rates went through this through the sky yeah. and this was all to do and this is this is farmers in sri lanka that i'm talking to you know these mm. are people that are working the ground not your politicians not your big wigs in your cop 20 bloody whatever it is but these mm. are people that are 
the ones that are producing the food. Because it's not Tesco's, it's not Asda, it's not Aldi, it's not M&S that's producing that food. It's mm. a family. Mm. And, you know, there's a food chain. There's a food chain in that. We'll, we'll give you another example. Have a look at what's happening in the Netherlands. So the Netherlands now are being pushed, the farmers in the Netherlands, by government, again, policy, for them to stop producing as much food. And the Netherlands is a massive exporter of food. Mm. Big, big producer. A very, very fertile land with a lot of livestock. Them farmers are under so much pressure. They're out in their tractors. They're demonstrating. We're not hearing it on mainstream media because mainstream media don't really support agriculture. They see mm. us as the bad guy. So we go to New Zealand. It's happening the same in New Zealand and Canada. And I think we'll be next because this world is sleepwalking into food shortages. And if people don't see it, they are absolutely crazy. And I'm mm. telling you that now. So how, how do we reconnect? How do we add value to what we're doing? Mm. I've diversified on this farm. You know, I do immersive tours. Mm -hmm. This morning we've been uh, taking some lambs to the abattoir, which will come back, feed my family, friends and people that want to get involved and buying it. And, you know, it's keeping that local food chain, that sustainable food chain and adding value, taking away the power from the supermarket it and giving it to us because mm. we deserve it. We're the guys, we're the people that are out there 365 days a year producing mm. that food. Mm. And it's literally when you see the supermarkets taking that milk from them farmers, not yeah. a milk farmer, taking that and they take the cream off the top, okay? They take the profit. Every mm. single drop of that milk has come through hard work, mm. you know? And, mm. and that's what's frustrating, and especially at this moment in time. So as a financial advisor, you would see what's going on. We've got big banks. We've got multinational companies coming into Wales and buying family farms so they can offset their carbon emissions from somewhere else. So places like Heathrow Airports, German companies are coming here, planting trees in Wales in some very, very fertile areas. So they can say, hey, do you know what? We have offsetted our carbon over there. Well, we can carry on doing what we want. Every time we do that, we take another acre of land out of food production. Hmm. Solar the same. Solar farms popping up everywhere. And I'm not an MB, I'm not against it. But what I will tell you is, why are all these solar panels going on? Every single industrial unit, every factory we've got, that's where it should be, not mm. on agricultural land. And this is really, really important because if people don't address it now, we'll be too far down the road because yeah. that's where the problem lies. Yeah. Sorry for the phone going. Everybody that's okay. Real <laughs> life, folks, this is what it's like. I was on a roll there a bit, wasn't I? No, it's great. And 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 it's and it, I think it's you know it's like even you just saying why aren't solar panels on the top of factories? I'm like it's so like once you've said it it's so obvious. Yeah. But until someone says it it's like it's oh my god, yeah, why is that? That's nuts. Yeah. Yeah. If you took the land mass we've got on factory mm. roofs, on you know commercial housing, you know everything in this country could be mm. a lot more sustainable. Mm. We have seen what happened in Ukraine. You know, mm. there was grain shortages. Ukraine mm. is the breadbasket of Europe. It's yeah. a fantastic, fertile 
um, country that produces grain, sunflower oil. 80% of the world's sunflower oil comes from Ukraine. All that was stopped. Now, if this country isn't intelligent enough, the people that are running it, our prime ministers, our MP, if they're not intelligent enough to understand how imperative food security is in this country, they are absolutely bonkers. And that's why I'm saying, you know, we're sleepwalking into food shortages and we're hearing them, oh, let's open another trade deal, let's bring imports and let's... Well, look, if that country's struggling, the next country's struggling, and, and that's what the problem is going to be. We we really need to start addressing it. Bring our food back to the people. A farming food revolution. Building a better Britain on our bellies. Okay? So seasonal, local, regenerative agriculture has to be the way forward. And wasting less. Wasting less food. And for us as an industry to reconnect. Reconnect with our consumer and the people that are going to the shops and buying our food mm. and even selling directly to them. All these things are relevant. Yeah. I was going to ask you, so as a as a farmer and knowing lots of farmers, what's the biggest barrier for you guys actually connecting with your customer? Because that, that for me is the biggest thing. I mean, I remember actually messaging you years ago, way before I was doing a podcast and what I'm doing now, after seeing you on the TV in the, I think it was the Hill Farmer. Was that the name of the program? It was it was years yeah. ago, right? And I remember yeah. messaging on Facebook going, how do I buy your lamb? You know, <laughs> the program. And you and you said most of it, I think, was going to Spain at that point. Is yeah. that right? They like smaller... still, the majority of the Welsh lamb does still go yeah. abroad. And then, um, and then, and then the lamb comes from New Zealand to come here. So if I, you know, I order from Riverford Farms and then local farmers and butchers in Abergavenny, which is near where we live. And then also yeah. I do a Sainsbury's order for stuff that, you know, you don't get in your greengrocer type thing. Yeah. And on Sainsbury's, the lamb says New Zealand or British lamb. And I refuse to buy it for that very reason. I'm like, I don't want lamb from New Zealand. But how do we as consumers and also people who are passionate about farmers, how do we help you guys sell direct to consumers what's the barrier for you when you're farming not in sales and marketing what's the biggest well, issue my, my, the, the biggest barrier is you know when you have a lot of lambs that come ready so they're like peas so they come ready at a certain time in the year yeah um to find find a market for all them is very very difficult and i think yeah. you know that's that's the situation we are in um, smaller family farms years ago might have had 100 or 200 sheep mm -hmm. and you know three abattoirs, three butchers in this village that's what that's what we had I've had to go 20 odd miles now to the local abattoir and you know that's costing you diesel I'll have to mm -hmm. pick them lambs up and mm -hmm. you know redistribute that so it does take a lot of time. And then when yeah. you ask somebody, oh, it's £100 for a lamb. Well, it's a lot of money for people. So yeah. people would rather go into a butcher and buy a leg or a... Or a and, and I think if you can do that, it's brilliant. Take it back. Because you can walk into any butcher shop, you know, or any farm shop and ask them where that food has come from. And I bet you 95% of the time, they will know exactly where yeah. everything's come from. And there's some great little retailers... So we can take a little bit of that power back. But the supermarkets aren't going away. They're not going away. Yeah, so absolutely. As consumers, your majority of people will go into them. So we need to have a look at how them supermarkets are selling this stuff. So a good example is milk. So they use milk as a loss leader. So they yeah. use milk 
you know, and sell it cheaper than water so they can get people through the door so they can sell other stuff. Well, that shouldn't be happening. Mm. We should be having a fair price for what we're producing. So the mm. supermarkets should be doing that. And some of these big supermarkets have done it, you know, price of production, plus they'll give the farmer X amount. But these are contracts that not everybody's in them. Mm. And that's what the consumer should be asking, you know, mm. how much is the farmer getting for that? Pint. Mm. How much is the supermarket taking out of that profit? Because mm. a lot of that, when you see it, mm. is very, very difficult because it's smokes and uh, smoke and mirrors, and people yeah. are very, very clever within the business side mm. of things to be mm. able to, you know, push their story out there and sell their stuff. But I think the British consumer is very, very supportive, mm. uh, and. If we can reboot that, reconnect mm. people about how to cook seasonally, how mm. to cook food locally. You know, mm. one, one of my great, great feelings is to go into my little veg plots down here, pick mm. every little bit and piece of yeah. veg, know that lamb, know that beef, know that pork, you know, mm. everything being produced here, everything's mm. sustainable, everything's mm. regenerative. And everything mm. is healthy, nutritious, mm. because mm. it's fresh, straight out of the ground. And, yeah. you know, you feed your family. And when I get friends around, they come and they taste, you know, the foods, the soups and, the, you know, the lopscos. We have we have a lovely little, um, like, a, like a soup, a cow we have in, yeah. in Welsh with either lamb or beef, or sometimes I, I put both in. And then we yeah. have all our little veg, you know. And in a winter's day, when you've been on that mountain and you come in, there's nothing like, better. Oh, it's like the food of gods, you know. And, and mm. sometimes these simple things, and it can be cheap meat that's going into that, yeah. the cheaper cuts. Mm. And it's difficult because people are struggling, people are struggling with food bills. People are struggling with um, energy costs. People are struggling with mortgages. It's yeah. not going to be an easy ride. But yeah. we have to work together. Yeah. And if you lose that farmer out of the equation, that farmer's gone for good. Yeah. Yeah. If you lose that land from the equation, from, you know, the greenwashing, as in, you know, the, the rewilding and the, and the planting trees, the solar, the solar farms, the building of houses as well. I know we need houses. I know we need, you know, uh, new builds that will happen, but mm. we have to be really, really careful of where we put in these things. Because mm. I'm never against planting trees. I've planted 40 trees on this farm this year, but mm. every single one of them trees has been fruit trees. They mm. are going to be delivering food for my children and my children's children. Mm. And that's what we do. We're, we're not in this for the short term. We're in mm. it for the long term run my family's been on this farm 375 years and if you come up you know i can show you what we've done here we've got mm. a big hill fort behind us that the celts used to live the roundhouses are still there wow. Six thousand years ago people were in my backfield digging mm. out axe heads that's not me that's telling you this is yeah uh, in archaeology they've been here for four years this is the first ever axe factory Man has worked the land. Man understands, or people understand, humanity understands how to grow food in a sustainable mm. way. And when mm. we get too big and monocultures mm. and, and we're just spraying and, and, and talking about veganism as the way forward to save the earth, 
that's a personal choice. Mm-hmm. I will never go against anybody that believes that their diet is better for the planet. But when they start to mislead other people in thinking, you know, with the propaganda and the mm-hmm. big corporates with their oat juices and the soya juices, and, you know, I won't call it milk but is it because mm-hmm. it isn't milk. You know, mm-hmm. all this food and rubbish is making people ill. And I'm, mm. I'm not just talking about health-wise. I mean, their mentality. Their mentality yeah. is, is oh, it's crazy because they're believing that they're not killing anything to produce that food. As a farmer that does both, I know there will more creatures dying for me to get the veg on the plate yeah. than there yeah. is for meat. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. What um what kind of scale? So when you're when you are sending lambs to slaughter and they're going out to Spain, what kind of because what I'm interested in is, you know, I go, well, in my head goes, well, where do we start? And I go, okay, you're still sending lambs out to Spain because you're really freaking busy. You've got two two so how, what kind of volume are we talking about dealing with and how could what could be put in place okay, so, so that, that got- stays here? Yeah, you've got 10 million sheep in Wales to begin with. Mm-hmm. Wow. So that'll be that's a statistic, a ladies and gents. <laughs> yeah, there's quite a lot of lamb there, isn't there? So you can see why Wales is a big exporter of um, top quality protein. And um, the Spanish, the Portuguese, the French, the Italians, they love it because yeah. they know what they're getting. I think how as many... well... We need... Go on, sorry, go on. I think as well we need to look at it um, because the lamb is smaller, so mm-hmm. the mountain lamb will be, you know, was probably an average of about 13, 14 kilos. Some will go to mm. 15, but they're, they're a smaller lamb. So it costs you exactly the same to kill a big lamb as it yeah. does for a small lamb. So profitability for supermarkets, they'd rather buy a bigger lamb mm. than the profit, which, which, is, which is business sense. You don't blame them for that. But sure. We, we should be looking for a way that we can utilise Welsh lamb, mm-hmm. um, smaller mountain lamb as well. So mm-hmm. maybe, you know, the Brecon Beacons did it once. They did it with, um, I'm not sure if they're still doing it, but they, they did like a, um, you know, QVC channel and they were mm-hmm. selling lamb on that. And, mm-hmm. and I thought it was a brilliant idea. Mm-hmm. We here on the Carnedai Mountain, there's 22 farmers in our PLC. We're a public limited company um we worked with a big supermarket in the beginning yeah um, about 10 years ago and the first year was fine i'll be honest with you it worked really well yeah um, then when the smaller lambs came into the market they were going oh no you have to change the way you farm you have to have bigger lambs but well, we can't do that our land does not you know um it won't sustain a bigger sheep on the mountain these yeah. creatures are born and bred here for hundreds of years because mm. they're the best at what they're doing at yeah. you know turning very poor uh, vegetation into top quality protein. So we mm. we we all have to adapt. And I think if we can get collectives, you know, and um corporates, you know, to work with us with you. Yeah. as in you know selling our things because corporations in New Zealand are fantastic. They've even taken their the silver fern is is an is an example. They you know put their own money in farmers did that and then they built their own abattoirs and, and you know got their own brand and that's mm. that's what they did they they, they mm. sold it as as a brand and mm. then it power back there's a few of these really good companies that do it south Carolina and creamery there's another one you know a lot of farmers have got 
money and them kind of things. And I think when we do that, we bring the power back to ourselves. Yeah. And if we can do what's, that. What's the biggest barrier to doing that? Is What's the biggest barrier to doing that? So what stops you and the, how many farmers are there locally, did you say? 20? Um, well, there's, there's 22 on our society, 22. but, um, you know, our PLC, but th mm. there's hundreds of farmers, thousands of farmers. Yeah, yeah sure. Yeah, Wales. but if we just started, if we just started with you and those twenty-two, yeah, and because you have a huge platform, right? And it's it's worth mentioning now that your handle, you've been hacked, and yeah. actually there are people out there. It's just beyond belief that the hacker <laughs> yeah. who hacked your account actually messaged me this morning because I messaged the wrong account because it's so similar. The one is at the end now, not at the beginning of your name, right? So it's also worth mentioning everyone that. It's Gareth Wynne Jones one is your account, correct? No, now on Instagram, to, yeah. To follow yeah. you because actually your main account was hacked and you can't get it yeah, back. I had, 18, I had eighteen thousand followers and that, I and just, this guy, as long as he's not trying to sell lamb to people, I'm I'm quite happy. Well, I mean, you know, it's like, come on, let's. Yeah. Anyway, the but again, you know, we we've we've got a base. Um, the guy that does the social media stuff for me, there we, he's yeah. brilliant. We've yeah. got ninety-seven thousand followers on Facebook. Yeah, I mean, that's a huge platform to then yeah. sell to. But what's the, how do you take your platform, the fact that you are clearly inspiring loads of people and take your lambs that are currently leaving the country and actually get them to all your followers? What's the biggest, what's the biggest thing that's in the way of you not doing that? Is it the volume? Like how many, how many sheep are we talking about in one go that you need to, that you would normally sell bulk and wholesale? Okay, so... Last week we sold most probably three hundred lambs. Okay. Um, and the week before, um, something similar. Yeah. So we're we're shifting quite a lot of lambs on a weekly yeah. basis now, um, yeah. to have the coordination of selling. You know, it's great taking a few to the local abattoir. You know, we can sure. take 20, 30 there. It's not a problem. Yeah. But our grass comes and our lambs come together. Yeah. Would there be a way New Zealand have looked at ways of like backpacking them so they don't freeze and they chill them? And that, okay. that can store them for long periods of time without you losing the freshness, which is great. Mm -hmm. But shifting 300 lambs, you know, locally to people, I think would be difficult because, mm -hmm. you know, you have to take a lorry full of lambs to yeah. an abattoir. Yeah. And that ab Abattoir would have to, you know, cut them, box them, and then get them out to people um, somehow. I think I think the technology is there, and I think the 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 customers there. Yeah. Um, it would be making the logistics work and making it affordable. Will... That's that's what supermarkets have done. You know, we're we're, mm -hmm. we're literally one trick pony. That that's maybe the hard thing sometimes is that you know you you would struggle to sell that kind of volume over a short window yeah and so here's a so here's a question because you know the mechanics of the abattoirs right because here's here's the bit where i'm interested i'm going oh that sounds like a fun game i'd like to play because if i could make the difference between you having to sell and ship to spain and actually going where's the problems what's needed can we you know can we make this happen yeah. however it happens like at the moment we buy our lamb from lorna who's up in abergavenny she's a farmer that my mum knows we, yeah. And we buy it frozen. I say to her, I'll have whatever you've got. I don't care if it's yeah. a half a lamb, whatever yeah. you've got, I'll have it. We eat through it and then we go back yeah. and we get the next lot. 
Yeah. And um, to the point as well where, you know, they didn't deliver it. When I had a half lamb, there was no liver and kidney. I was like, where's the offal? She was like, most people don't want it. We feed it to the dogs or we, you know, we get rid of it elsewhere. And I'm like, oh my God, it's the best bit. But anyway, that's exactly. a, I could I could talk all day about that as a chef. But so so what I'm interested in is the abattoir, the abattoir will slaughter, cut, package. Will they then send out to individually like is there a way then of having a courier so let's say let's use the the example of 300 sheep yeah or, or lambs so you then go uh okay well we've got 300 this week who wants one and you know you, at some point you have to go us as consumers we have to be on board i believe with i you know educating i spent a couple of days on joel salatin's farm in america do you know have you heard of joel salatin uh absolutely massive massive yeah. farm. Yeah. So I spent a couple of days out there because I was going to do an internship there and I couldn't get the visas to go and spend the time out there. But anyway, I still went out there, spent a couple of days, very inspired, read all his books, yada, 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 because, you know, the plan was to be a farmer. Right. Yeah. So what they do is they educate their customer and they say, we need you to buy a bigger freezer because we only I'm going to use chickens as an example. Yeah. They only grow chickens for cooking, not the egg chickens. They grow yeah. the chickens, yeah. spring through summer, yeah. slaughter. And everyone buys the number of chickens they think they might need for the winter because he's, yeah. he, you know, it's about education as well, isn't it? Yeah. And they say yeah. chickens grow best in the summer. In the winter, it's snowy. I went out in October and we were yeah. you know, doing fencing and all the rest of it. All the animals are coming in or going to slaughter. And so they've educated their customer base to support them by buying freezers. So the chickens get slaughtered. People order 5, 10, 15, whatever it is. Mm. over the summer they can have one a week but then it's like at the end of the summer it's like well do you want chicken for the winter or not and obviously yeah. at that point as well switching to beef and lamb really makes sense because the lambs have been out on the grass all summer and now they're ready to eat through the winter so for me there's a piece about us as consumers being educated and saying do you know what the best way we can support a farmer is to actually take a half a lamb or a whole lamb and do our budgeting accordingly and then eat it over the time, you know, yeah. over the next yeah. couple of months, which is yeah. which is how we do. But when it comes, this is the bit where I don't have the knowledge from the slaughterhouse. Presumably they want somebody to come along, take the 300 lamb and do whatever they want with them. They're not interested yeah. in, you know, sending out a no. box here no. and a box there. No. Then, yeah. and, and that's why you get the supermarkets because supermarkets have got the power to buy and they can yeah. come in and then they can squash the prices down. So, um, yeah. You can see how this food chain has been um, taken away from the people that are producing the food. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And because it makes it easy, right? By, yeah, by the retailer, yeah. really. So yeah. there, is, there is ways and means as well, I think, maybe that we can, you know, because our system is not like everybody's system. So yeah. when, when our lambs and our grass starts to go down, what we do then as well, we sell what they call store lambs. So my father will go on a Saturday um, to a sale now every week with about 60 lambs that aren't quite fat enough, you know, yeah. or quite, yeah. you know, in prime condition to go into that market as in yeah. prime lamb. So he takes them there and they're called store lambs. Yeah. Then there's lowland farmers then that are there which purchase these lambs and they will keep them. They will keep yeah. them. Sometimes they'll keep them to January, February, March. Because yeah. by the time you get to that, that time of the year then, you know, a lot of our grass is gone because our, yeah, you know, sure. ewes are in now. They're not on the mountain. But then that window then for them is 
they add value to that product because them lambs at the back end are usually worth a few quid more. It's just yeah. before the spring lambs come from, you know, the ones yeah. that are born in December. So yeah. th there is markets. and we, we, We've gone more sustainable about being able to supply lamb, mutton, um, all the year round. And I think yeah. that's a good thing. So farmers, you know, are not all putting their eggs in one basket, mm. literally. You know, yeah. everybody's working together to make sure that we're able to keep that supply chain going. And yes, we need that European market, I think, because when these lambs do come in, you know, the Portuguese love lamb at Christmas. And then our lamb prices seem to go woof up then. You know, we've got people in Hong Kong, Dubai, um, Hubiki Cymru have just been out there doing promotional work now with a guy... Um, Chris, who's a fantastic chef, he's been out there, really, really successful. It's a prime product. It's it's mm. one of the best products in the world. You know, mm. Welsh lamb is premium. And if we need to be adding value to it, we need to advertise it. And I think, you know, the companies like Abiki Cymru are doing a good job. And is it going to be affordable for a lot of people in Great Britain? And, that, and that's not being disrespectful mm. because... If you look at, you know, the cost of living crisis and a lot of people living in inner cities, they're on they're on a breadline anyway. Sure. You know, lamb and mutton, um, yeah. maybe, maybe lamb is more more of a premium than it is, and a massive treat. Yeah. And and yeah, it's difficult to get that balance, and we have to be honest with our consumers and customers because it's not the cheapest meat, but it's mm. very nutritious, very yeah. tasty, and yeah. a fantastic treat. Mm, mm, mm. Absolutely. Hmm. And how many? So I'm still going. My head is going in the numbers. So if you do 300 a week, do you do that all? How often does that happen? So what? How how many lambs are you talking about in a year from your farm? Just just your farm. Okay. So we've just got under 4,000 breeding ewes. Um, yeah. So it's, it's, it's quite a lot of lambs we'll be selling. Um, mm. I'm in a partnership with my cousins and my father and an uncle. So, yeah. you know, it's not, they're not just mine, they're, they're all of sure. our yeah, lambs. Yeah. So, you know, as, as a business, we have to look at um, where the highest price is. So yeah. if, let's give you an example. So if Dumbia on that week, uh, giving, you know, X amount per kilo for it, we phone them up, we ask for prices, and then, you know, we just say, right, let's, let's get a shipment now. It's been a little bit more sticky this year. Before it wasn't a problem. You just phone them up and they say, "Now you've got a book come in about two weeks in advance. You, yeah. You've got to get everything ready." And then we've just brought our sheep off the mountain, so we yeah. need every single bit of grass now. So in the summer, our sheep are allowed onto the mountain to graze freely yeah. with their lambs. Mm. So during the winter months, we have to look for grass for them. So mm. the quicker we get rid of our male lambs because the girls are kept for breeding for next year yep. the quicker yep. we get rid of our male lambs the better it is for us then grass wise and yep. stress wise yep. you know we're, we're able then to sustain everything without going to be spending big money on buying in extra licks or silage or, or yep. however you want to look at it so it, yep. it's a business model that you you have to get right and mm -hmm. uh yeah margins can be tight and they can be, you know, a little bit disheartening some years. But the last three years, it's been quite good. 
You know, the price mm. for lamb has been good. Uh, mutton's okay. And I think we're very lucky in this country. We've got a big um, ethnic market for it. You know, a lot of people, um, mm. you know, with the Ramadans and things, you can see mm. then price fluctuates. They go up. And yeah. for Eid, you know, all these things. Your farmers are, are looking at the Muslim calendar sometimes. Now it sounds crazy, but looking at the Muslim no, calendar. but it's a huge population, right? It's important. It's a big... It's well, a big, big lamb and, and beef, mm. and, uh, sorry, big lamb and mutton eaters, you know, mm. and goat. Mm. So they're, they're a big part of what we um, need. You know, they they, mm. they are buying our our product. So, you know, we, we can't look away from that. We can't mm. look away from even the Middle East. You know, mm. New Zealand are cutting back. They've gone a lot out of sheep into dairy. So there's there's a lot less lamb and a lot less mutton in the world at the moment. Mm, mm, yeah, interesting. Um, Gareth, I'm aware you have to go and I don't want to have you be late for what you've got to go on to next. I would really love to ha carry this conversation on uh, if you'd like to. And I would really love to at some point come and visit you up there if you don't mind. Um, yeah. And just... just your lamb dinner amazing i do i watch your video i just love that you do the cooking and the whole thing so that it's connects all the way through oh it god don't say that the wife will absolutely murder me <laughs> I, do, I do i do take a thunder away sometimes but um yeah he's a great cook but you know slow yeah. cooked and um I, oh, I, I, yeah. like to, I like to be proud of what we're doing yeah absolutely think, you know when when you see some of the stories um, within the mainstream media and some of these environmentalists, how they're, they're trash, trashing livestock agriculture. It, it, it's, it's hard. Just... So I, I want to put a positive spin on it. And, you know, I love life. Um, my hashtag is living the dream because I feel very, very fortunate. I've got a beautiful wife, three healthy children. I do something every day I really enjoy. Yeah. And I'm passionate about it. I'm honest about it. You know, yeah. and I want to fight for my children's future and everybody else's future on the mm. land and that's really important because you know we're a small minority and that's been quite quiet because mm. we just carry on with what we do yeah. and when, but when you're working start, hard right you haven't got time to be out there to, you know i mean the fact that you've given me 40 minutes of your time today i'm really grateful because you guys are freaking busy right you haven't <laughs> got time to be out there doing all of that you've got livestock to look after and you know hard graft to do so it, it's you know, when you've got your head down and you're getting on with what you want, but there's a narrative that's going against you, it, it takes everything, doesn't it? To, well, to let, into... let's remember as well, you know, suicide rates in agriculture, it's at a massive high, uh, yeah. three a week. You know, there's a lot of stress. There's a lot yeah. of um, anxiety, a lot yeah. of negativity towards the industry, which hasn't been helping. Yeah. I think we have to address that. We have yeah. to, you know, start talking about our mental health issues we have to start talking about you know let's let's just take fertilizer into one example so you know two years ago you'd have been buying fertilizer for 240 pounds a ton it's now over a thousand pound a ton fuel would have been red diesel 45 pence it's a pound you know yeah. feed for the cattle all these things have doubled so when you're yeah. seeing farmers you know um getting a good price it's it's still we're still in the same position as we yeah, were. Yeah, it's still not and, that and that's right. a difficult thing, you know, because people look at a lot of farmers always driving around in a new tractor. Well, you know, we have to have these machines to be able to produce the food um, that that everybody's eating, and mm -hmm. everything you know runs around money. We know we know and we understand that, but 
All we're asking for is a fair price for what we're producing so we can carry on investing in the future, you know, to keep feeding Britain in a sustainable and environmentally friendly way. But don't take the power away from the farmer. Don't give the governments and the environmentalists the opportunity to take that power because you're the important people here. The consumer, the customer are always the important people. And if you stand with farmers and back farmers every chance you get, Mm. Then them MPs will listen. Then them prime ministers will listen. Then mm. them presidents will listen because the power is always with the people. And that's why I'll come back to we need a farming food revolution in mm. this country. And we need to get back to stop wasting food. We need to get back to regenerative agriculture, seasonal food production, and start mm. teaching this in school and give children an educated choice. Take them to an abattoir if they're old enough. Take them, you know, to see how milk's produced, how pigs are produced, how veg is produced. And mm. don't let them believe that nothing will die for a vegan diet. Because I will tell you, every single time we're putting something on that plate, something will die. Yeah. Otherwise, you'd be misled by a propaganda and these multinational corporations are trying to take that power away because they want you buying fake foods from factories, not from farms. And that's yeah what we need to stop. So get behind British agriculture or get behind world ag- agriculture. That's really important. This is yeah. this is all a bigger picture. This is yeah. globally. And it's not a conspiracy theory. Okay. I'm not I'm not pushing things. I, no, no, I am telling you what I'm seeing every single day. And when yeah. you've got a platform like me, you get yeah. people coming and asking questions and wanting to talk. And if you read some of the messages i get off farmers and how how down they feel and how you know many times they've been kicked in the balls by government by supermarkets by you know Mm. environmentalists instead of working with them it's Mm. bloody hard so that's why i'm passionate about it that's why Mm. i'm doing these things and and trying to fly the flag and get people to back british agriculture yeah no and it's amazing and i think what i'd Second on that, I, you know, I heartily agree with everything you say. And I think there's two things that really come up for me that, that you know, if, if people, when people are listening to this is to really remember is that every single pound we spend, it matters. Every single pound votes with what happens. And the more we spend our pounds on, you know, knowing where it's come from and local. And when we add into that, I think it was, I think it was Jamie Oliver or Hugh Fernley Whittingstall. I can't remember. It's one of the, the chefs that do a lot of campaigning as well for good food, is that food doesn't have ingredients. Food is ingredients. And if you're buying anything that has ingredients, it's not food. No. And that if we as consumers can buy ingredients and buy lamb and buy vegetables and buy the raw materials to make food. Between doing that and choosing where we spend those pounds, actually, you're right. We get a we get a revolution, yes, and I think people feel like they don't matter. People feel, you know, they, they people don't vote in the general election because they think it won't matter. It matters. Every pound we spend matters. Everything we do matters. And um, I just want to thank you for for being one of the farmers to speak out and for being the face of it. Because, like you said earlier, you guys are grafting. It's not natural for you to come onto a podcast like this or be on the TV or share and be a presenter. You guys are farmers. So yeah. actually it takes yeah. everything for you guys to do that, you know, the ones of you that are. Um, so I just really want to thank you for kind of being 
approachable, for coming on here, for talking about this, for so that, so that people can understand. Because someone listening to this who's disconnected from their food, you'll change their whole life, not just the food they eat. You'll change their health, how their kids are, how their families function, how they sit around a table and eat instead of buying a ready meal and eating it in front of the TV. I mean, what you guys, what you're doing and what you're inviting people into is life changing. It's not just about food and farming. It's about the entire way that we live our lives mm. as human beings. I'm, my father's 86. He works seven days a week. Okay. Yeah. And, and he always says, you know, your health is your wealth. Yeah. And if you think about it, you know, yeah. it's, it's, and if you're going to have a nice car, you're not going to put poor petrol in it. And yeah. this is what we really need to be thinking of what we're putting in our bodies every single day. I'm yeah. 55, you know, I work seven days a week the same. Yeah. I'm pretty fit, you know, I'm pretty yeah. strong. I don't have any, any health problems, but it, it's all to do with what we're putting in ourselves, what we're putting in our bodies. So mm. we need to be really, really careful of over-processed yeah. Crap. I'm going to be honest with you. I look yeah. at some of the ingredients and some of these foods and I think, how the hell are we in this situation? We have an obesity problem in the UK yeah. and we have a diabetes problem. Well, it's yeah. all to do with the sugars and the craps that we're putting into our bodies. Take yeah. it back. Take it back to simple seasonal food and you will see a difference in yourself. And mm -hmm. you don't, it don't has to be meat every time, but if you're yeah. buying the right meat from the right place, it mm -hmm. is going to taste good really really good and it is going to be nutritious and healthy for you in the long run yeah amazing what a great note to end on gareth thank you so much again it's no been a problem. pleasure to speak to you we will be in touch because i would love to follow up and really get into the like okay what else can we do uh to help you guys and to to get more people eating like we've just been talking talking about so thank you thanks so much for your time and speak to you again soon take care thanks everyone enjoyed this episode remember to subscribe stay in touch reach out join my newsletter find that on alexlouisethomas.com stay in touch think bigger think bolder be brave about your dreams and take your life on big love